Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Voxology Podcast. Mike Erie here with my friend, my confidant, my comrade in arms, Timothy John Stafford. That's um, right. Yep, we are excited. This is the week. We're recording the week before Thanksgiving 2022. Mm-hmm. And um, it is, I mean, quite frankly, way too cold in Nashville, Tennessee. It was 26, 23 degrees this morning. Not good. Tim, I know you are cold. You love cold. It's true. Um, you're, you, you've got beanies on even in the middle of summer. So <laughs> this is this is wonderful Well, you know, we you. took our dog for a walk last night, and the trees are just like flaming red and yellow and just yes. these beautiful colors, and it was cold, and I just love it. Yes. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, if you're a season, you are autumn, late autumn, That's right. not even I early love, autumn. I love the autumn. Late autumn, absolutely. Um, post punk, post pumpkin spice introduction into the world. Uh, we've also just by way of letting you know, Tim, we've uh, completely decorated for Christmas, and um, it's <laughs> glorious. Well, just to let you know, I took down my Halloween decorations yesterday. Uh, well, just to let you know. <laughs> We took our Halloween decorations down the day after Halloween. Oh, I know. And have been, and I listened to Christmas music this morning. Gross. What do you think, do you think of that? Why? It's, it's <laughs> Jesus-loving music, Timothy. It's not even December. Don't make this seasonal. Um, today, we've got, a, we've, got a, uh, we've got a full show for you, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, yeah, yeah. S- sometimes, we, I read one review... <clears throat> That said, gr- some good themes, but it takes a while to get there. And <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I was like, okay, we fit that description. I have been timestamping lately the notes, so oh, that's good. Just so like, people can... want to get straight to the meat and potatoes. Yeah, but but the witty banter. Why would you skip the witty banter? Yeah, I don't know. There's a shot. You might get a Seth. I mean, you just never know. Why would yeah. you miss the witty banter and the thank yous? Yeah. So I have thank yous today. Please. Come on. Yes. So Eloy or Eloy, I'm thinking it's Eloy and Joel. And then I can't remember if I said thanks to April already. I, this may be my third time saying thanks to April. <laughs> I don't April know. I really appreciate it. <laughs> but April, you are triply appreciated. But hey, as you guys know, we are a 501c3 non uh, crowdfunded nonprofit, or I was going to say now non-crowdfunded profit. Nope, we are a crowdfunded <laughs> a nonprofit. Time. We're so grateful um, to you three in particular, but to our entire community that gives on tithe.ly and patreon.com. And if you're the year-end giving kind of person after you've given to more deserving ministries, um, we stand ready to accept end of the year donations yeah. to take take those off your hands. We want to launch a YouTube channel, my friends, and there are expenses associated with that. We want to do something for uh, burnt out pastor and ministry workers next year and their expenses for that. And so anyway, if you're uh, if you're somebody that does tax planning, well, hallelujah, let us know. Have we got an ID number for you? <laughs> <laughs> See, why would you skip forward? Why would you skip this? Man. Now, Tim. Yeah. Do you have prostate trouble? I hope not. <laughs> because if I got something for you, I've got Centrum adults over 50 gummies. Man. And, 
Those just, are, <laughs> those just serve everything. Well, I'm, I'm, I just want to keep practicing reading copy yeah, so that if we, ever, if we ever get advertisers, yeah. you know, they, we have a track record. That's right. Um, anyway, Centrum, over 50, <laughs> yeah. gummies. They cure everything. Low T, prostate <laughs> Low issues. T. Yes, yes. Um, all right, so today we have um, the reintroduction of a segment that, you know, uh, maybe we overdid when we first launched it because so much is depressing. But um, <laughs> it's time to pull it back off the shelf, ladies and gentlemen. This past week was election week. Um, and, you know, the glory the glory of Christian takes on voting was in full display. So, ladies and gentlemen, I uh, introduce you yet again to Tim's Troubled Times. Tim's Troubled Times! <laughs> it's just, depra- just a, like, wah, wah. <laughs> I should redo the song with the Debbie Downer. Totally. So, so Tim, Tim, what's troubling you? I... That's the best part. Yes, could do this every week because it's just we always something floating through. Yeah, I've tried so hard to just you know that's why we introduced the Tim bits was to try to counter this. Counter the that's the good the stuff. Positive, yeah, yes. But, but the Tim's troubled times. Yeah. Last few weeks we have talked about in relation to or coming alongside someone named Stephen Wolf, and I haven't named him, but now I will because he is the author of the book The Case for Christian Nationalism. And he's just been all over the Twitter sphere and all over um, circles that we travel in. And uh, he was on a podcast this last week called the Right Response Ministries podcast. And he was well. All, that tells you all you need to know, know. in the title <laughs> of the, the title. podcast. I love it. So he's doing his Christian nationalism stuff, and he's talking about why women shouldn't be in leadership or why it can't happen, why we can't have women in leadership positions if we want to have a Christian nationalist nation. And it's because (laughs) of the reasons that he gives, which I love. Because in therapy this week, we were talking about this pertaining to me. Uh, Women shouldn't, we can't have Christian nationalism with women in leadership roles because they they have empathy and inclusion. Oh boy, those were the negative traits of women. Those were the two things he said: empathy and and they include they, are, they practice inclusion. We need people oh who goodness. tell people where they should be and exclude. Yeah. And he's like, we will. <laughs> he literally says on the podcast that he's all for um, blasphemy laws, which mm. is what we're watching in Iran right now. Yes, and so. This is what I was thinking is, you know, he's, he also says that they would suppress atheism or different types of thinking like that would not be allowed. Mm. And um, so when I was, th- I was seeing that and watching his other myriad of tweets, because he's going nuts trying to make his book is a this is why we talk about Christian nationalism and why for me, we talk about biblical masculinity is because his book is a number one seller. And so it's it's dominating the conversation and people are buying into it. And then when we watched Ron DeSantis, who I think we can all say is arguably, he is the front runner. He will beat Donald Trump in a primary election and he could very well be the next president of the United States. And what was his ad? When I was in Tennessee, we were doing some Vox meetings and the ad, his commercial came through prior to the election and it was a two minute black and white video with a very serious voice advocating that god needs a fighter 
Yes. And the whole was thing that, was Was long. that an old poem? Or was that a new copy? But I don't either, know. either way, it was either insane. way. It was pictures of Ron DeSantis with his family, very dramatic, saying that God needs a fighter. On the eighth Ron DeSantis day, right? is the fire. Yeah, and Ron DeSantis is the fighter that God needs for America. <laughs> so, as much as this stuff is like Tim's troubled times, annoying, whatever, but it is affecting. Oh my, This is a real yes. thing, and I yeah. and it's you know we what started the whole series was me asking a question about whether or not we can be passive or not within these things um i don't know but this is why we talk about it we also had joking yeah. ones too where like yesterday our mutual friend sent a um screen grab for candace cameron's new living translation bible that she's credited as the author of on amazon and uh wow and she writes all the notes and has pictures in it. And it's like, this is God. What did it say? God uh, inspired the Bible with you in mind, you individually in mind. And, oh, wow. Um, I don't know. So and we, we've had countless conversations about what it means to take scripture out of context. One, one particular scripture and apply it to yourself. But yeah, a lot going on out there in the world that's crazy a little troubling perhaps and violent and inspiring violence you know a lot of even the stuff with pelosi i sent you an article before this with from christianity today about um some american protestants aren't letting go of revolution and how the um who was it it was the Presbyterian Church in America, the PCA, their General Assembly, just stated a statement about condemning political violence, but it got voted down by 75% because they're they're arguing that nothing in America would have happened if Christians did not kind of stand up and take violence seriously. Oh, that, oh, oh that's Seth. Hold he's on. here. <laughs> he's here. Come on, Sethy! It's a half day at school today, ladies and gentlemen. It's a hat. Whoa, yes, Seth Theory. Yeah, Tim Stafford is here. <laughs> Tim Stafford is here. Oh, oh, yeah, you got some bread? Seth's yeah. got some bread. You just got some bread? Yeah. <laughs> How did you get bread? Uh, huh? <laughs> I mean, did, did someone just give you bread? Yeah. Yeah? What's up, yeah. Seth? So what's up, man? What's up, Seth Theory? What did you win today? What, uh, why did mom and dad and Hannah go to school this morning? Uh, Seven got surprised. What was your surprise? Uh, the surprise is a uh, uh, got a cupcake. Well, okay, but did you win something? I mean, yeah, I win. Yeah, okay. what did you win? You won an award, huh? Yeah, I won. Yes, for courage. For courage. Where oh. his classmates in seventh grade voted. On uh, who was who exemplified? Lisa Fox always did podcast. <laughs> who exemplified courage? And they voted. Seth was one of those um, who got the most votes. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he yes. was. The courageous. Thank you so much for the good to test with me. Thank you for coming to Franklin, Tennessee, with me. He says. I had so much fun with you. Yeah. Yeah. How are you? Good. All right. All right. It's Friday. Yes. Hey it, Tim. Hey Dad. Hate the, hate, hate the, hate the, hate the fish on. <laughs> you got it. Hey, please. All right, you were talking about violence, political violence. Yeah, just the, you know, the PCA was 
they, someone put up a, a vote to say that we should denounce a growing number of personal threats to public officials and destruction, of, just like violence oh. at the church. And, uh, and they argued against it, saying that, you know, sometimes it's right to pick up the sword. Um, Good Lord. And it got voted Good down. 75% of the PCA voted against, like, voted against that statement because they said, you know, we don't want to denounce violence because sometimes it's necessary. Oh, so Lord. this is, you know... On Boy. both sides, this is, you know, they, uh, Just with this. Pelosi's and what happened with um, the person going in there that was, had very, very nefarious uh, intentions and, and committed violence. And then even, you know, there was uh, threats against Brett Kavanaugh and there was mm -hmm. some Christian mm -hmm. uh, pregnancy centers that were attacked after the Roe v. Wade thing was overturned. So there's a lot of violence in these conversations. I cannot believe that someone would say, oh, yeah, sometimes you need to pick up the sword. I mean, not only does Jesus repudiate that right. and that That's whole text. <laughs> yeah. that, well, the whole text, when, when Jesus says, hey, if you, if you have a sword, grab it, is, is framed in Matthew as the fulfillment of prophecy. It's not, it's not Jesus going, hey, guys, you know, before yeah. we were loving our enemies, now we're going to you know, take told. care of them. I mean, it is, I, I don't, when you have explicitly named christians um who who blatantly disobey the commands of jesus i mean at what point do we just have to start something new and i know that's the protestant reflex for all of it but like the wolf stuff the desantis stuff i mean good lord and and i get that some of it's theater like i i i get that some of it's just trolling and you know it's only theater uh, until someone breaks into your house with a hammer and attacks you totally you know I mean? I mean, it's like these guys may think they're just like you know putting on a mask and playing a role but it's inspiring yeah. things like january 6th and yeah yeah stuff like that so that's why i feel like continually talking about this kind of stuff and exposing it and saying this is why this is not right or what jesus was advocating for is important absolutely and it isn't fringe i mean now no. now of course Media is going to highlight fringe so that it doesn't yes. become fringe anymore. I got that, but I mean, th these are like these are central. Yes, these are central conversations being had in Christian circles and Republican circles. Yes, and there has to be a counter narrative presented. Yes, because uh, evidently the counter narrative of Jesus has been completely disregarded um, in these conversations. So. Yeah. Uh, I reached out to Mr. Wolf to see if he'd come on our podcast, and he never got back to me. But um, I've been toying. Beth, <laughs> Beth Moore, dude, if Twitter's going down, I'm shooting. I'm shooting my 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 shot at, at trying to get Beth Moore on this podcast. All on it. <laughs> uh, but speaking of people coming on the podcast today, yeah, yeah, we have an old friend and a new friend joining us. The old friend is a guy named Tyler Chernisky who has been on the podcast, who is a dear man, just one of the most pastoral guys you will ever meet, his dear friend. Um, and he's introduced me to some incredible folks um, in his you know, sphere of influence. Uh, and this is another one. So we're gonna, we have an interview. Tyler's gonna kind of join us and share a little bit about how he's doing. But then Tyler has come across and goes to the church of a guy who is swimming in, in a lot of the same waters we're swimming in. So we wanted to have you uh, meet Marty Solomon as well. He's got a book coming out 
called Ask Better Questions, Asking Better Questions of the Bible, I think is the name of it, which I'm already in just on the title. Yeah. And uh, anyway, hope you enjoy uh, the interview. You can get in touch with, uh, with them at, towards the end of the interview. They let you know where they're at uh, if you'd like. So thanks, friends. Rarely, ladies and gentlemen, has a Zoom call produced this much handsomeness. I'm sorry that this is a podcast that's audio only because you're missing some really glorious looking faces. I'm not only joined by Tim Stafford, of course, of course, but I've got today a competing bearded figure in my view. I don't Marty think it's a competition. Solomon and, and not just a bearded figure that matches Tim's beard. But I have a clean-shaven figure that matches my clean-shavenness and our friend Tyler Chernesky. Tyler, Marty, welcome. We're so glad you guys are here. Tyler, Tyler's been on the show before. He's one of our favorites. Tyler, what are you up to these days? I, uh, I'm in a slower pace than I have been the last time I've been on here. So, Mike, I discovered the goodness of collage. You should what? see the art. Oh, bro. bro Colla- like I collage am- is an art form? Like collage is an art form. It's what I didn't oh. know I needed. It took a lot of therapy to help me discover it. Uh, but now that I have, it's, it's you know, magazines and reorganizing some stuff. Work at a really cool, hyper nice. local neighborhood nonprofit um, in Cincinnati that does some cool stuff just in our neighborhood, not trying to change the world, just trying to help the neighborhood, which Hello. is uh, hey, different yo. for me kind of cool yeah. uh and then also working with some publishing stuff so it's a it's a slower pace than any tyler that's been on this uh podcast before and bro i'm loving it it uh it's what i need after a lot of crap as you know mike you were yeah. there kind of yeah. bottomed out a little bit uh and then yeah. you know coming back yeah. to life this is my glow up as the kids say i think i'm glowing <laughs> up so i you're catching me you we know, affirm that dude we affirm it yeah. we affirm it <laughs> Can you Ty- see it? You can see the glow. I yeah. can see it. I can feel it. <laughs> Tyler, I am so proud of you. Um, you have you have been through some really difficult stuff, and I'm just delighted to see your face again and hear that. Because the first thing Tyler said, I was like, hey, how was your morning? He's like, I went, what did you say? I went to grand. I was at grandparents' day at a school. I have no kids. I sh- shouldn't be in public schools, but I was serving coffee with kids at grandparents' day. Uh, and then doing little budget stuff and you know, nothing like being at a public school at six forty-five in the morning, right? Just to get the day started. My goodness. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Now, how do you know Marty? I need a big Uh, wind up on Marty here because I mean, my eye, my ears have heard, but now my eyes have seen. (laughs) Yes. So Mike, I like, you know, talked about the great day starting grandparents day. It's only getting better in the sense nice. that this is a dream come true for me. You know that we've had a great history, learned so much from you. Marty is one of those people that came into my life as things are bottoming out. So mm. this, you know, whatever, MDiv, yep. I'm a fancy, you know, seminary graduate, uh, worked at some really cool and really great church, especially in my church in Kansas City, loved that, you know, been through all this. So I've learned a lot about the Bible in one sense, but man, Marty came along and I kind of hate 
the tropes sometimes it's a personal pet peeve when people are like changed everything you know and it's yeah. like well gosh if one person you met changed everything how deep was the stuff that you knew you know what i mean like i hope there's some <laughs> stuff that also had some deeper moments but what i'll say is marty took everything that was there for me or engaging with some of his work and it's like oh there's new coherence now or all these pieces that were there about like how good God was and kind of what people are like and how that all fits and what we're here to do. It's just like, okay, the parts, it's not like it's obliterating all that's there, but it's yeah. reshuffling them and threading them together differently. And so the timing was cool. We also both happen to live in the greater Cincinnati area. Uh, we attend the same church, Yeah, uh, you know, so there's some other ways we, uh, we rub into each other, but man, I'm telling you the, uh, the timing of me encountering kind of Marty's, posture in the world and openness to like really asking some real questions and digging into it. It was just like, you know, perfect timing. And, yeah. and then I knew it's like, my gosh, you probably got, I think Mike, an excited text, probably the first time I texted you about Marty, I think it was a Sunday morning after Marty had spoken at church, like you have to meet this guy. Oh my God. So it, uh, <laughs> you, you heard some of my excitement in that moment, but here it listen, is. You know? Listen, man, I, I would just say this, Tyler, your batting average for finding freaking awesome humans in the world is 1,000%. So it's that the is only sport the, I'm good at. That, no, I don't believe that. I don't <laughs> believe that. Okay. I believe you were born too late, Tyler. You should have been born. You should have been peaking in the 80s when Miami mm. Vice was the rage and Duran uh, Duran was kind of had, had captured my heart. I just think... I think you fit there and that's why people love you now is that is that you're not like like a 2020s kid. You are an 80s kid showing up right in the middle through and through of all yeah. this. Through and through. <laughs> well, Marty, so I mean all Tyler has to say is that, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Um I know you have a podcast, the Bema podcast and and you teach at a church or do you do you are you the lead pastor of the church as well? Nope, I just serve volunteer. There was a little season right. in between uh, hires where we had a little volunteer teaching team to just keep the church going and keep the church afloat. And it worked out so well that even after we hired the church, said, let's just keep some of these voices in the mix. And so we'll, those same volunteers will pop in and I'm, I'm one of them. But nice. I'll respond to all of that first five minutes with a phrase I picked up from one of my last episodes on my own podcast that's a whole lot of gravy for an awful little turkey so <laughs> nice nice um marty what if we could just get to know you a little bit like where where were you raised what was your if you had any faith sort of inheritance what was that like um what was uh your experience of god and jesus and bible if any um, like for you growing up? Yeah, I was raised in rural Southern Idaho. So that's kind of your first reference point to the subculture that I experienced growing up. <laughs> Didn't even realize. And I lived in Idaho my whole life until June of 2020 when I moved to Cincinnati. Wow, wow. Now I had been traveling because of my job for quite some time. So I had encountered this, you know, but I had not lived in any other subculture than the Pacific Northwest. And, wow. and now I'm starting to understand it you know, a couple years here, uh, yeah. even better, but that's where I grew up. I was absolutely raised in not raging fundamentalist evangelicalism, but yeah, solidly fundamentalist evangelical paradigm. 
Um, my joke is often that in my household, Dr. James Dobson was a fourth member of the Trinity. Mm. Like, <laughs> wow. That was, that was, yep. I mean, that and I, I, I really appreciate some of the things that, that upbringing grounded me. And I really do to this very day I, as part of my maturing process as I've circled back around and be like, you know, there's a couple of things that have been really important, mm. um, that I picked up mm, from that, good. but that was my experience. Um, I have this this Jewish heritage uh, in my blood. I, mm. I knew of it growing up, but I was raised in an evangelical world that said, Jesus came, so why does it matter if you're Jewish? And and then I started studying a bunch of context and realized, oh, it actually matters a lot. And I still didn't connect it to my own story until a little mm. bit later. And wow. so now I'm, my family decided back in 2008 to uh, basically try to reclaim that and live in a way that was consistent to what we understood the scriptures to teach. And mm. so we kind of reclaimed our Torah observance. Mm. And so now people would know me today in Cincinnati uh, as like a, a, a Torah observant, you could say messianic. I don't know if that's the best label for me, but mm-hmm. a Torah observant, uh, Jesus following Jew. Mm-hmm. Um, but that mm-hmm. hasn't been my whole life either. My parents would not identify that way. Um mm. But yeah, good relationship with my family even today. I think they thought this was going to be a phase, and now they're like, no. So, what what yeah. was it that first sort of cracked that open for you when it became less an academic interest and more of a oh wow, I want to live into this. Yeah, so I grew up in a in a reform tradition is kind of the denominational tradition that I found my foundations in, mm-hmm. but but I really felt called, and I don't have like a long list of. Holy Spirit hocus pocus stories where I feel like God tells me to do something, but it's it's a short short list. One of them was choosing the college I went to, and the college I went to was a Stone Campbell Restoration Movement Bible College on about the opposite <laughs> end of the theological spectrum as you can get, and um, that was my experience for a couple years. And for some reason, I got a job in one of their churches. They were that desperate; they hired the five point Calvinist kid, and. Um, and I was I was leading a, a youth group, and I had this atheist kid that had perfect attendance. He loved the community, and he loved to debate and argue with the religious folk. Mm. And I was going to convert this kid, like yes. I was. And he came from a broken family, and he um, I, I don't want to cause too much triggering conversation, but he he basically witnessed his dad's suicide. And he was very, like, he was very Darwin, like, he was very, so I remember coming to him and him being like, well, you know what I believe, this is just electrons and there's nothing more going on here. And, and, and the problem was my theology, my five point hyper Calvinism explained that perfectly. And that was actually a problem for me because I didn't want my theology to explain all that. I didn't want it to work. That was one instance where I felt like it needed to be a little bit more dynamic. And yeah. And I didn't want to have answers. And so I kind of went into my own period of deconstruction before it was cool. Like my, like I went through a period of this is, this is not, I am not smoking what I'm selling. This does not work for me. Yep. And somewhere in the middle of that, probably through God's providence, somebody handed me uh, Rob Bell before he was declared a heretic and uh, Ray Vanderlaan got connected to him through Rob, and and these these voices just deeply started to shape the way I was reading the Bible, mm. and therefore theology, and therefore mm. God, and a mm. whole life of faith, and me being a teacher, I just wanted to give that away, and so that mm. was kind of my journey through 
like I was in a really dark place and then somebody mm-hmm. handed me a flashlight and I said, man, we got to we got to mass produce these flashlights because this is pretty cool. There's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of beautiful stuff here. How did that how did that change the trajectory of your career or uh, your intellectual sort of pursuit of the faith? Like what opened up to you from that moment? Man, I don't know if much changed. I always feel like I've been on this really like steady path of I'm a teacher at heart and by gifting God blesses it when I do it. If I if I handle it humbly and mm. and try to serve others with it, it's always better that way. I, I stepped out of that for like three months. I've had a three month period since I've been 18 years old where I thought maybe I won't do that. And it was very clear like no, that is exactly what God's asked me to do. So my trajectory never changed. What did, what was a little bit trickier, but you know, Mike, I don't know. I, God's been, I've always been surrounded by faith communities that were just gracious and open enough that I always found a place. Mm-hmm. And then as I kind of started to outgrow those spaces, I've had really good mentors mm-hmm. and mentors that said, Hey, if you stay here, this is going to get uncomfortable. Let us graciously try to figure out what your next thing is. And I'm really indebted to that because that's been, I've never had this destructive, divisive tearing of, you know, communities or faith experiences. People have went, well, that makes me uncomfortable, but yeah. On to the next thing, you know, yeah. and, and and not in a passive aggressive way, like in a really beautiful, God's doing something with you and I, I can no longer lead you where you need to go, but here's a person that can take you from here. And mm. it's been that. really, really good. We should do that more. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> it seems like a, a, one of the focuses of the, if we're going to use the term deconstruction, which I know is loaded, um, but one of the focuses was just about the Bible. And Tyler let us know that you have a book coming out in February of next year called Asking Better Questions of the Bible. And I would be totally remiss to not want to explore a bit of that title because that is, man, that speaks. Tyler, do you want to you want to fish uh, around uh, for some of the stuff that you've kind of seen and heard from Marty in that in regards to that topic? Yeah, I, I mean, part of what I think is so cool about what you do, Marty, and what it's inspired me to want to do is to be a little more courageous and question asking. Cause I feel like mm-hmm. I've been in context where people say, we ask the big questions here. And it really is, uh, I don't know, maybe not a full promise of asking the big questions or it's great marketing slogan, but then it's like, actually, we're kind of afraid of that answer. Never mind. We're, you know, we're going to half ask that question, half ask that question to clarify. <laughs> what I just and then we're going to, you know, just, just move on from there. And I, I don't know, like where where do you find the courage to ask the big question? I know you ask better questions of the Bible, but maybe before there are better questions, they feel like brave questions to me. Like where does that mm. courage come from? Hmm. There's probably more going on there subconsciously than I give credit. Um. I, you know, for me, the journey that I went on when I started studying this stuff was just this constant, every time you turned a page, Every time you had a conversation, it was like, I knew it. I knew there was something there. Like it was always like this, you know, there was this affirmation of, I, I had a hunch and my hunch was right. So what, so then if you want to turn around and give that to somebody else as a teacher, for me, that posture is you have hunches, follow those hunches. 
because mm. those hunches are usually good. They're usually going to lead you to something. And and the thing that always bugged me is this posture that we had. I mean, I was raised in an evangelicalism that was all like we were gung ho about apologetics and scared of mm -hmm. post-modernity and we had to have the answers and truth was absolute and and i don't know if that's all bad in and of itself but what was bad is it created a posture in us as christians where we were we were confident yeah we knew and it really did make us jerks because what we were now the self-professed experts and i think i think there's a couple books after this book if this book does well enough and they let me write anymore there's a there's a train of thought after this book too because there's something about asking questions that's tied to curiosity and empathy yeah, yeah. there's something about asking questions that opens me up to the fact that i am not an expert there's a million things i don't know and the moment i become comfortable in that space i'm now far less judgmental because i don't i don't know what i'm right there's so many other things that give me wonder and awe mm -hmm. and i i don't know there's something there and that's what i wanted to get at was instead of arguing yeah. about this piece of objective de data and that set of theology and this systematic whatever. I wanted to just help us change our posture because I just kept seeing Christianity teach Christians to just be sure, be confident, mm -hmm. be resolute. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Turn or burn. <laughs> and, and there was like, but that's just not what I'm meeting in the Bible. I'm meeting in the Bible as God that's full of mystery and crazy wonder. And every time you think you haven't figured out, he shows up in a different way. And well, if we were, if we were people that actually believed that, it'd be a whole lot easier for us to do what Jesus, I felt like our theology was, is the, is the biggest hurdle to, to being what Jesus asked us to be. Ayo. And so if we could, if we could dismantle Zing. that theology a little bit, it would, it would help us do that better. I love yeah. that. I think we've talked quite a bit on here about the loss of mystery and curiosity and just what wonderful tools they are. Because I often will, like, I'm very visual in my head, so I'll often think about, like, my pursuit of theology like Star Trek. It's like, uh, I want to keep going out. I want to see there's so much more out there. I want to keep like, I want to keep going and exploring and finding and being kind of wowed and awed and... um. When we were doing the Bible stuff here on the podcast, one of the questions that we got from somebody, and Mike, you can help me if how this was phrased, it was like, you know, why do why do we need why do we all have to be um, scholars or do you remember how that was phrased? Like, why do we need to be scholars to be able to read the Bible or to understand the Bible to approach the Bible or something to that extent? And so, as people come out of deconstruction or whatever. We're, we're getting questions along the lines of that with approach to the Bible or prayer or worship or like, I don't understand what these things are anymore. What do I do? And so to like a lay person, how do you, how do you help cultivate or encourage that kind of approach to context and just the, the what can feel overwhelming? Because the posture you're just talking about, like the, you know, stand tall, da, 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 understand everything. We all were raised with that, even though it was like a subconscious ignorance to how we're holding information. Now, as people are like, hey, I want to know what this really means. And they're like, oh, no, this is a library of different genres. Like, how do I even begin? What, what do you say to people that are in that position that want to, but are just kind of like overwhelmed or bewildered by the process? 
Yeah. Um, well, that's part of what I love about the fact that I've ne- I, I've never gone to seminary. I haven't gotten what? any of that. Yeah, I've I've not done any of those things, and that's part of my passion. I went to Bible college, but I didn't learn any of this stuff in Bible mm-hmm. college. None of it, because they were not reading. And I used to say that with a lot more disdain than I do now today. But <laughs> I I did not learn this. I learned all this stuff on my own with a bunch of books and some time to kill and some obvious blessings and privileges and an internet connection. Like yeah. anybody could do the things that I, I have a buddy from Princeton that says, oh, you're an academic hack. We know that. But <laughs> like, there's still a part that we can play. And, and we live in this this beautiful world of the information age. I don't know how I would have answered this question 30 years ago, but today, like, and that's what my book is really about. It's about if I can give you a chapter of just, here's just a, an academic hack, just throwing a bunch of questions about this portion of the Bible and giving you a whole list of resources at the end of it. The goal isn't to know all the answers or to have a seminary level grasp of, it's to know enough that I can run after this God and run after this Jesus and fought, like bring that whole, those Holy Spirit questions and promptings and wrestling matches in relationship to the inspired scripture that we, lo- that we know and love so much. Mm. Like we, we have the tools today, at, at least today in the, in the day and age that you and I live in. And that's what I love to just go, just go read these names. Just go listen to those people. Just go search for this topic and see what you come up with. And cause we can, yeah. we can do this. We really, we really can. We don't have to be scholars. Um, yeah. Now there will be many people that will be called to be scholars and for good reason, cause somebody does need to have a comprehensive grasp on the technicalities and the intricacies and the nuances and complexities of all this stuff. But uh, we, we, we're just dangerous enough that I, I used to always call myself the Robin Hood of theology. Like I love to steal from the theologically rich and give to the theologically poor. Like we can all engage in that. The internet, the internet has closed that gap. Those yes. climbing over those walls have gotten a whole lot easier. So, yeah. So, so here's a question, a sincere question I have, Marty. I've never thought about this before, but hearing you talk about the, the openness of the question, you know, so we can ask the big questions about the text. I would have had a solid answer for this, you know, particular student. And then I was willing to recognize there were more questions. I mean, and then Tim, your follow up, me thinking of my own positioning, you know, when I served as a pastor, I sat across a whole lot of tables. You get complex questions. I had a clear answer and felt comfortable in that. Yeah. Are you just uncomfortable all the time in the fact that there's a little more mystery or have you learned to be like comfortable in uncertain spaces? Like, how does that work? Cause I think I still, I'm thinking my gut impulse when someone asks me a question, I feel most comfortable saying, well, actually, you know, there's a book by, well, usually my friends always joke. I'm like, have you read so-and-so? They're like, no, we haven't read that freaking book. You know, somebody's usually like, well, if you read this, here's a, here's a book answer. But I love and, and would love to be more open and like, man, I don't know much, but I know this much about God. But are, yes, are you, you're yeah. constantly uncomfortable or you're more comfortable with there being openness or how, like, how does that work? Can I hold on, Marty? I want to answer this, doggone it. Get I don't know much, yeah. but I know I love you. And that may be all there is to know. Go ahead, Marty. <laughs> oh, man. That setup. How do you? How do you, how do you follow that? I just want to follow it up with more '80s music. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I. And let's be clear. I don't. I don't do this nearly as well as 
we all might be giving me credit for. I still sure. answer far too many questions. Small turkey, large gravy. That's right. <laughs> dis- that's right. The gravy disclaimers apply great. Yeah. <laughs> like we do these monthly things. I have one coming up just this, this Sunday. We do these monthly live stream Q&As. And part of the reason I do that, there's a whole lot of reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is we just don't have a lot of spaces that say, ask your question. Just ask it. Yeah. And... And oh, that's so dangerous. And but I just love to create enough space to go. Yeah. And I don't. I don't even have to answer the question. I answer. I think what I'm trying to say is I answer far too many questions in those two hour periods. Mm. Then I wish I would just be like, yeah. Actually, let's just ask three more questions, or let's just not even answer that question, even though I've got a really good one. This moment doesn't. I'm getting better and better every every day, every month, mm-hmm. every year that passes. My maturity helps me get a little bit better. I'm, I'm still not where I want to be, but I've I've come to love your, to your to your point about are you uncomfortable in that space? That's where I think we f- we end up feeling seen. Um, is in that space. So I I've come to love it because I feel like I'm not a feeler. Like if you asked me what part of ministry I hated, it was hospitals and funerals. Because I don't, I'm an answer guy. I've always been an answer guy. And I don't know what to do in that space. I don't know how to join people in grief and lament. Like I do, but I, man, that's a hard space for me to be in. I really struggle there. But when it comes to intellectual engagement, I feel like it's almost like the equivalent to the grief lament of the intellectual process. Mm. Like that discomfort of not knowing. But whenever you go into that space and you just affirm the fact that it's okay to live there, I've never, well... I mean, you have people that leave that space frustrated because they really want to resolve something. But far more often is people going, oh, it's okay to live here. It's okay to not have a resolution. It's okay to not have an answer. I'm not an idiot for asking that question. I love those moments. Like, I live for that. That's a great question. And here's a million reasons why that question matters. And so, I'm not going to answer it because I probably shouldn't, but that is a great, and I just love how people go, because oh, I think we all have this mm-hmm. sense because of the Christian paradigm, like I'm supposed to resolve that. I'm supposed to get a resolution to that. I'm supposed to know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to, and to have a Christian leader go, that's excellent. You should sit right there because there's some gold right there. Yeah. There's this affirmation that makes people go, oh, is this the work of faith? Yes. Yes. This is the work of faith. Enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. cherish it live in it i'd love to to take this sort of posture towards life in the text and and kind of apply it to to the title of your book in the sense of what are just one or two examples of of uh, of where we're asking wrong questions in sort of the traditional evangelical inherited culture and then what's an example of asking better ones that lead us into fresher places. Yep. Um, I think, I, I think a, a great example, we are always trying to prop up our theologies and that's an easy stone to throw, mm. but we like, we come out of a certain tradition or a certain stream. It's built on classical theology. We stand on the shoulders of John Calvin and Thomas Aquinas and you know, whatever, going all the way back to Augustine. Like we, we just have these theological questions that, and they've been brilliant and beautiful questions and they've driven theological conversation for 1500, 1800 years. And, and we're always viewing the text through those lenses in relationship to our theology and not the other way around. Mm. 
Um, and I think becoming more honest and more aware of that as Westerners and just becoming, and then this becomes very cold and, and academic in reference to hermeneutics. Ask that question. So what are the better questions? The better questions are, what is the conversation that Paul and his audience are having here? Like, let's plop ourselves down as best as we can in first century Corinth and, and try to understand like what they're truly grab cause they are grappling. Paul's not trying to write a systematic theology, New Testament theology, 301 textbook. Paul's really looking at a church in a particular context going, living out Jesus is hard and difficult there. So let's figure out what that means and looks like. And I think we're always, we're all like scripture satellites around it, orbits around our theology. And it is very difficult as Westerners to swap those. And so those are the questions. We're either asking mm -hmm. questions that orbit scripture around our theology or we're asking questions that orbit our theology around scripture and and that was the big like again i go back to my fundamentalist roots where did i learn that from mm -hmm. i learned that from a fundamentalist world that said the bible 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 like they just said the bible was everything yeah but then when you really got into it you're like well wait a minute and i kind of get into that in the first chapter of the book like i had this high view of scripture but I felt like this high view of scripture world that I was raised in wasn't high enough. Like mm -hmm. when they got to a problem, they just kind of resolved it or explained it away because they already had the theology figured out. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to have a higher view of scripture that led me to go, well, wait a minute, but that's not what I'm truly seeing in scripture. So we have to dig deeper. We have to go further because scripture can take it. Like the, the, there's enough room for that tension mm -hmm. and, and, and you can trust the content in that. And so anyway, that, those are some of the yeah those are, people, that's probably too abstract and categorical of an answer but those are that's yeah. where it revolves in my head do do you think deconstruction the whole should we be fearful of deconstruction as it's being construed kind of in reform circles these days and called something you know that's sexy or whatever um or or would you categorize deconstruction using a different metaphor you know, how, how would you, as you encounter people like Tyler, who, um, or me, who, you know, we go through the intellectual wilderness, and then we go through a deeply personal wilderness, and those are two different wildernesses that are related. Um, how do you, how do you talk about deconstruction, reconstruction? Yeah, well, I have, I have nothing but compassion for uh, the deconstruction conversation for me. I'm not scared of it and I, I love it and embrace it. And obviously it can be done. Everything can be done poorly. And half of the stuff that's being done poorly is because we haven't stewarded everything around it well. And so people, yeah, of course people are going to continue to react against that because we steward our opportunities so, so badly. Mm -hmm. um, we talk about in session six of the podcast, we have a couple episodes on deconstruction. One of them, Reed Dent, uh, is on, and he talks about, it's like faith is one of those Dr. Seuss houses, like these curvy, like weird buildings. Mm. And our theology is, is like a, is a bunch of scaffolding around these like weird buildings. Like you have God and the text and scripture is like this crazy, mysterious, hard to get your hands on Dr. Seuss building. And our theology is a scaffolding that helps us get close to it and look at it and mm. interact with it. But that scaffolding has to be like torn down and reconstructed and like deconstruction is going to be a natural part of, I mean, we're talking about deconstruction today, but deconstruction's always been a part of the faith journey and every reformation or restoration or any has gone through the process of some kind of deconstruction pertinent to their context and time period. 
So to just not be afraid of it and realize what we're doing, but hopefully to put our to put our faith in that, like Jesus in the Bible, well, I know where to stand on those things. Right. And typically we're just using those things because we want to stand on our theology or our doctrine or our dogma or our tradition or our ethic or whatever those things are. But actually it's like it's Jesus. It's a person of Jesus that has all the power. It's the person of Jesus that holds all things together. It's the resurrected Christ that. So so the scaffolding can come and go because it's, it's the Jesus behind it all that that's that's real and dynamic and mm-hmm. what we're anchored to. Mm-hmm. So Mark, I'm so curious, gosh, it's just my chance to ask you all the questions I've been sitting <laughs> on. I'm so curious. Because I know when I started listening to this Bama podcast, which I do think a lot of Vox folks would love, no promises from Tyler, Vox fan, but I'm telling you, fascinating stuff. You start from the beginning. You have your mind blown one episode at a time. It's a great experience. Don't listen while driving. You may cry. Uh, I cry. (laughs) I got a lot of feelings, Marty. When you're in Genesis 2 and 3 and talking about sin, and it is behaving as less than human and contrasting the humans from the animals in the Genesis text and thinking of that as like, oh my gosh, I've heard so many things about sin. I felt so much shame in my life about sin, all these things. I'm like, oh my goodness, what a better way to read it. That was like a mind blowing moment for me. I'm curious for you as you've done this whole process of deconstruct and reconstruction. I know you said you got small feelings, but I, I believe there's some feelings in there, Marty. What is there a moment that stands out as like, gosh, when I reapproach this particular text or this particular concept, it was like a game changer for me. Because I'm telling you, man, both that one and then, gosh, when you at church talked about, I never thought about this, but when you talked about Peter was separate from the other disciples after Jesus died, that's why they had to go find him fishing by the lake. And Jesus made his disciples reconcile with the disciple that betrayed the rabbi. I mean, literally on the damn floor of the church, Marty. Someone needed to pick me up, carry <laughs> me out of there. I was, I'm done. I'm done. Oh, like, but those are the things where I'm thinking, oh, driving deeper in the text, you're like, oh, yeah, all the details would suggest that Peter's not there with the rest. And Jesus is having the disciples reconcile with the one who betrayed their leader. Oh, my gosh. And how much more life is there? But for you, as you're going through and you've done so much work, anything stand out as like, this was a game changer for me. Uh, I mean, you, you referenced it when you started, like Genesis one through three is the foundation of so much of our theology for, for Christians. We usually have all this Augustinian, like theological, like our depravity, the fall to discover in the midst of my study that the Jews have no concept of the fall. That's an Augustinian Mm. idea. That's a Christian idea. The people that wrote and read that book would have never understood that story that way. That story is not being told to tell me how sin entered the world. That story is being told to wrestle with why we sin in the first place. And that story is the second story because the first story is a story about the goodness of creation. And when like reframing Genesis one, and it wasn't like the first time I heard this was through that heretic Rob Bell. And he had this brilliant teaching uh, beginning, beginning in the beginning. And, uh, (laughs) You know, he didn't say anything about hell and he didn't say anything about anything horrible. So I I suppose it's not heresy, but um, it was this brilliant teaching. But then it was in the same calendar year. I swung over and learned from an Orthodox Jewish rabbi, not from a Christian paradigm, just in a Jewish paradigm, essentially reframed the exact same thing through Jewish tradition. And I went, oh, my goodness, this is. This is legitimately what the scriptures are doing. This is how the scriptures start. Mm-hmm. I mean, when 
that's the liberation. When you liberate, mm. like, when our core identity is rooted in what we're not rather than what we are, mm. that's that's going to mess, mess up a person's psyche. When your mm. core identity is you are a sinful pile of garbage, chapter one, that's going to deeply mess theologically with your psychology. Yeah. When, when that finds its proper place, because sin is real, we're not going to get rid of that, but when that finds its proper place two mm. chapters later, not chapter one, but chapter three, well, now all of a sudden, oh, well, of course that thing is inside of me, but you you mean that I'm built for something else? You mean that I'm true, like the more real part, the most true part of me is not the sinful part of me. Mm-hmm. There's a There's a good part of creation part of me Oh, well, I also know that to be true. It's it's Jonathan Martin in the book Prototype when he says, every mm. single one of us has this little boy or little girl. And like we know somewhere back in our, in our consciousness, we were young enough where we knew we were just loved. Mm. Like whether we call that eternity set in the hearts of men or whatever, like we you go back far enough and there is some point when you're a child where you can remember jumping on a trampoline or riding a bike and you just know that there is something, some greater part of the cosmos and universe, you are beloved. That mm. is your most fundamental. And somewhere along the way, we beat that out of all of us and let the shame define our story rather than be the curse that is all in the way and messed up. So that that was a liberating moment for me. When you start shaping theology around that, Yeah, you start the story in the right spot. And man, that... Now all of a preach. sudden we're, we're cooking with gas. That'll preach. Yeah. So Marty, um, just as we're wrapping up, uh, where can people find you online? If you just give us your your um, online presence. I know you've got a website. Yeah, uh, martysolomon.com can get you connected to anywhere you need to go. Get you connected to our podcast, the Baymont podcast, and the website there. Get you connected to my socials. Um, all that kind of stuff. Who knows if Twitter will exist by the time this thing airs? We, there's no promise. There is <laughs> absolutely no promise. <laughs> yeah, that's what we were talking about before. I, I'm I'm swinging for Beth Moore to get Beth Moore on the podcast. Uh, yes. So we're we're holding we're kind of holding out hope because yes, yeah, that's a big fish right there. That's that's a lot of turkey. Um, <laughs> we, there's there there won't be enough gravy when that when yes. that turkey shows yeah, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Tyler, she's one of my favorite human beings, man. Yeah. What's the what's the kind of the immediate future for you? You know, you, this is kind of a season of slower pace, which is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, but do you get any you sense know, of what God's up to? I I think Mike a little bit and it was encouraging hearing Marty say this. And and I've said this to a few other close friends. There is a world in which somewhere, some way, somehow at some point it's inevitable in my mind that I'll be back in some church because I do. And I, gosh, I won't cry on the box podcast. Maybe I will because I do love Jesus a whole lot and I do love people a whole lot. And it is inevitable right now. This yeah. was not a break that I planned for. This yeah. was not a, a, you know, a moment that I thought I'd be in, but my goodness, it's great to rest. It's mm-hmm. great to, I mean, again, if you listen to the early Babel podcast, Marty says that Genesis one is actually about Sabbath spoiler alert, uh, but it's actually about Sabbath. And it's like, well, gosh, I reluctantly found a Sabbath. I like finally sleep in and make collages for a day and eat good food. And <laughs> yes! who knew, 
Who knew, you know, and, and I would have told you I was doing it before, you know, of course I was Sabbathing when I was in the grind, but now I'm like, oh no, I know what it really is. My therapist has been like, yeah, you'll never go back to being as busy as you were. So in ways, this entire world that I've been in, it's unexpected and it's really good. Mm-hmm. And I know enough to know this won't be forever, but I also, you know, as probably the youngest and most beautiful one on this Zoom, Thanks for loving my dark humor. But young and beautiful, I've had to do so much reframing. And talk about this. Marty, you know this. Like how much of evangelical culture is also a youth culture? And it's like you're young and you're new and you're trendy. And I sincerely felt, as young as I am, but really felt when everything hit the fan. It's like, gosh, my best days are behind me. And this is all done, which is hilarious. But we get into it. It's the narratives we tell. And it's like, my goodness, to slow down and be patient. And there's plenty of time. And there's something else. And let me read some new things and figure some stuff out and cut up that. some magazines. That's kind of the the immediate immediate future. So I sincerely like it. It's dumb. It kind of feels, and I'm I'm aspirationally comparing myself to this person. I don't feel this way, but Eugene Peterson talks about in his book, mm-hmm. The Pastor, about like, of course I'm a pastor. Like, there's nothing else I could do. Mm-hmm. I do feel that at some point that'll be back. But That's in the awesome. meantime, I am in the community. I'm at the church. Um, signing grandparents. Yeah, yeah, signing a grandparent. You know, it's uh, it's just it. a totally different world, and it's it's a good one too. And not feeling at the end of the day like I'm just utterly worthless every morning. Like you're yeah. dead on that, Marty. That that yeah. shift is a great, uh, it's an awesome shift when people can get there. Yeah, I just have one question, Tyler. After all that, yeah, what magazine provides the <laughs> most fodder for your collages? So. Bro, I'm telling you, I the kids might call it manifesting. If you put out into the yeah. world that you are making collages, people yeah. give you so much stuff in return. <laughs> and there is a great state in the city of Cincinnati, David Sheldon, awesome guy, that gave me so many National Geographics and like oh. some vintage Nat Geos. Yeah. And, you know, when I'm desperate and unemployed, it's like, I got to sell these. But when, it, when I thought a little longer, it was like, my goodness, these are beautiful images. And he's like, I was going to use them for art. So you have to, you know, promise to use them for art. But dude, like old Nat Geo's, I am swimming in like the richness of nature imagery. I got all the good Love stuff. It. And then, you know, plenty of home mags and it's easy to find stuff with celebrities in it. But yeah, it, uh, yeah, yeah. it's been, it's been a lot. You know, you guys, and this so is not happy. to be cheesy, but I celebrated my first All Saints Day at church. I've never done that before. Made a little Very collage cool. out of that. And it's like, this is killer, you know. Like it's just a great way to go back and think about whatever you learned and cut, oh. cut, glue. Yeah, I'm I so love it. I follow a bunch of collage artists online. Of course you do. Like just creating new scenes of out of do. familiar, you know, creating something new out of something familiar. Yeah, yeah. I've always crazy. known I've loved you, Tim. The, well, <laughs> in the way another pastor at a ECC described it, but it is if there's a better metaphor for renewal and rebirth. And the idea that, you know, it's the work that I think God does in all of us, but turning this into something better. She's like, no wonder you love collage. I'm like, oh, you're right, Meg. I do. Such a good moment. But it's been great. It's been great. You guys well, are the it definitely best. seems like a thing to affirm in you with the pastoring that your break and your rest is in service to other mm. people. So it seems pretty natural and pretty, like, you know. Aligned. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, and even Marty, when you're like, I don't always, you know, I give more answers than I do. There are those moments and I think it's Beekner. So Marty, y'all, 
Marty introduced me to Frederick Beekner before, uh, you know, he maybe got trendier in his passing, but my goodness, I'm devouring the Beekner yep. catalog. But man, when he talks about, you know, I'm what, I'm a saint half the time, you know, like some days I surprise myself by what I'm able to do. But there are those moments, even Marty, where like your openness and posture, it has been liberating to be in those conversations. Or Tim, you talking about serving others and be like, man, I don't know much, but I know God's not disappointed in you. I know it's not over. I know that the truth of the heart of Christianity is that God, God delights in people, not that we found some way to delight God. So I don't know, that should be enough. And those are just to your point, Marty, deeply freeing and super yeah. rich and we'll see what happens there but it uh it's been cool to have some of that quiet confidence in my best moments and then the rest of my moments i'm yelling at people through my car and <laughs> people on the freeway you know, i got my the center moments like the rest of us but yeah yeah the part-time saint you know yeah well listen blessings to you both thanks for your time today man what a great great space to hang out and and get to know you a bit so uh, we're grateful, grateful for your time. Thank you. Absolutely, Mike. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this conversation. Voxology is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners just like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at Patreon dot com backslash voxology you can also join the community and hang out and chat with us on the socials facebook.com backslash voxology podcast and on instagram at voxology thank you thank you thank you for walking the long road with us